0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. My God, what a mighty, mighty, mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. I am honored to come before you today as we Begin our journey in the book of Exodus. Exodus, my God, what a wonderful, awesome Bible study we have had. I pray that you all will join and we can begin to discuss and learn together. But nonetheless, nonetheless, God is great and He is greatly to be praised. How many of you know that I cannot wait (laughs) until we get into our building. My God, I am trusting God for multiple, multiple miracles. We are working to establish his will in the earth. God has been clear on the assignment, and it is our responsibility to pick up and do what he has called us to do. I am expecting greatness, greatness, greatness in each and every one of us. God is good. God is good and he is deserving of all of our praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, real quickly, we are still progressing, uh, with the ministry. And again, for those of you that God has called and pressed upon your heart to join us, come on now. We got much, much work to do. We are working on getting a building. We are working on spinning up the daycare center. Uh, we are working on, uh, getting, uh, What else are we doing? (laughs) Working on getting you all to come and help so that we can go and evangelize and go and draw others into the ministry so that we can feed his sheep so that we can be ready as he is preparing us for his return. It has been such an exciting week Uh, this past week with all that God is doing, and I have great, great, great expectations that God is going to do an excellent work, an excellent work. But anyway, we are in uh, one of my favorite books, if I could say I have a favorite, but one of my favorite books, or let's just say I really, really love the the story of Moses and uh uh, israel and 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 the children of israel and and their uh, enslavement, but more importantly uh God releasing them from captivity, so I love the story, so we are beginning in the book of Exodus, and I believe uh Deuteronomy around that uh, time is when we'll begin to see. Uh, them moseying into the promised land. (laughs) So we are seeing, we are seeing it firsthand and up front the progression of how things occurred and how uh, the children of Israel got set free. All right. So we're going to begin our study today uh, in the book of Exodus. And I believe uh the goal is to get through chapters one through twenty. Uh but I will continue to uh, go through the content uh that I have prepared and uh and we'll we'll end where we end. <laughs> Y'all know how I do it. I love the word I love the word. I love the word. I love the word of God, and uh it is always a pleasure to get into, dig into the word, to study, meditate on it, as well as it is a pleasure and a privilege uh, to apply God's word to our lives. Amen. All right. So so let us get started because uh, I can go on and on and on. I got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for another opportunity to come before your throne today and just to come and bask in your presence. Father God, we don't take for granted that you called us for such a time as this and that you loved us enough to draw us closer to you in this season and in this hour. Father God, we ask that you will rain down on us, that you will have your way and let your perfect will be done in each and every one of our lives, Father, as we continue to to study your word. We ask, Lord God, that you will open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, Lord God, our minds to uh, process and digest what you are giving us as we continue to take this journey. Father God, help us to understand your word and that theological way. As we are studying you, we're learning your identity, learning your personality, learning uh, the way that you operate. Help us, Lord God. Help us to receive a rhema word, breathe down on us, speak into our lives as we have to live this life. We have to endure the challenges of day-to-day living, and we need a word from you. We are not uh, exempt from the reality that we need to be fed by you each and every day, lest our spirits starve or, or our hearts be deprived. But we need a word from you. So we're asking for a rhema word. And Father God, we are asking that you will help us contextually understand the word, understand what the author is attempting to convey to us understand the historical facts surrounding it and also so that we can comprehend in a fashion that we can help others understand we don't take it for granted that you have called us you have separated us you have set us apart for such a time as this and we thank you We bless you. Now, Father God, hide me that they'll only see you. Father, I surrender that you will begin to speak through me and allow your Holy Spirit to guide us to take full reign and control. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right, so we wanted to start our study. We have been on a journey over the past year to do a chronological review of the Bible. And in this chronological review, we started in the book of Genesis. We started where it all began in Genesis. And we talked about and learned about the creation and and the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything that dwelled therein. we learned about the fall of man and Adam and Eve and the serpent, and we learned about uh, uh, Job and his um, walk, and we learned about Noah, and we learned about Cain and Abel, and I'm saying this all in mixed-up fashion, Uh, but we learned and we also understood that it is important that we, as followers of Christ, understand the Bible in its chronological perspective, it answers so many questions that we have when we get in, dig in, and get into the word <coughs> and put it in right perspective and put it in the right. Sequence, Amen. So it's important that we go through this review. We don't gloss over it. And I'm so grateful that God has just really nudged us to the side and said, let's take this time and reestablish the foundation for some. It is building a new foundation. But nonetheless, God is filling in the gaps. Amen. We also learned as we walk through the Bible, as we were learning about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even Joseph and his brothers and all the others uh, that we learned about in the book of Genesis, we learned that we cannot uh, encapsulate God into one, two, three, four buckets. Amen. God is a uh, he is a mystery. He is a mystery. He exposes himself to us in a way that we are able to articulate, but in by no means does that um uh, uh, by no means is that who he is in his entirety, but because of his love for us, he comes to uh, where we are to help us to understand who he is. One thing we learned is that it is complicated. It's complicated, the relationship that he had with many of who we now deem and understand to be the matriarchs and the patriarchs of our faith. Amen. So it was a complicated relationship that if it was put in paper, black and white, with no names and no Context, we would think that some of these folks were off. <laughs> some of the relationships were quite off. But I love that God gave us an organic view, a, a real view of humanity through the word of God. It wasn't a bunch of and stuff. We saw it raw. We saw it raw. And these folks were something else. But anyway, God loved them as he loves us, because guess what? We're something else too. All right, so I could talk about that all day and all night, but we learned a lot as we went through the book of Genesis, and I would admonish you, go back, go back, uh, read your word, get into your word, Uh, don't allow this opportunity to pass you by, uh, especially if you have not been consistent or been with us on this journey Go back, listen to some of the podcasts, and let me just say, uh, we, we're getting better as we go forward, amen? We're getting better, so you're going to find some flaws and in, in some of uh, the earlier podcasts and maybe some of the later ones too, but nonetheless, hey, it is what it is. I don't try to be anybody or anything other than who I am. But just like aged old wine, we get better with time. Amen. So go back and listen. Listen, don't rob yourself. Do not rob yourself of this season and this hour that God is bringing us to. I'm reminded of when I was in school and we we would try to goof off and do what we wanted to do. But school was very regimented. It was very regimented. And, and uh, we would go from one lesson to the next one phase to the next one category to the next. And so if you kept up with the class, you were rewarded by going to the next level. But if you didn't keep up with the class, you had to stay behind. And there were some times where they would do an accelerated learning so that those who were left behind could somehow catch up. But in that accelerated learning, there were uh, fragmented pieces that you would miss out on because there's nothing like getting the first uh, uh, batch of something, right? And getting it firsthand. Amen. So um, (laughs) I say that to say that it is okay if you're not with us in the beginning. Amen? Just continue with us. Uh, but the thought, the idea that I was trying to convey, um, the point I was making is that, you know, when you didn't make the mark, when all of these supplements and provisions were made and you still didn't make the mark, you found yourself sitting on the sidelines watching others uh, uh, enjoy the, the reward of their labor, and you sitting back watching, and you can't have none, amen, so uh, I don't want you to be that one on the sidelines, come on, jump in, jump in, we're not too far ahead, trust me, we've got so much more to cover, so much more terrain (laughs) to get through, we ain't even, we ain't even midway through the Old Testament, but I'm telling you, I'm loving it, I am loving it. And uh, we are in Exodus, so, all right, so let's get started, because like I said, I can talk all day. So so we covered uh, the book of Genesis, and we went through all of the characters, and so in these upcoming lessons, we're going to focus on Exodus, Exodus, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, it is the second book of the Bible, and I want to forewarn you that as we go through Exodus, i uh, just... By way of the chronological review, we're going to dip into, uh, I believe, numbers as we get into a couple of chapters. And I also think maybe Leviticus uh, there. And and again, when you do the chronological review, we are just looking at the Bible in the way that it uh, um, that the things happen. Amen. So we make it into numbers. As we continue through this journey, uh, and I believe Le- Leviticus, I got to go back uh, to our reading, um, our guide uh, for the scriptures that we ought to read. So anyway, so we're in the second book and uh, it talks about, it starts us and helps us uh, to, to review how the children of Israel made it into their place of enslavement. It it, it tells us it is the beginning of the story of how they were enslaved and how they uh, uh, were freed, how they were made and set free. And I want to emphasize here that the Bible is a grouping of historic facts. These are historic facts. And while it may be true that history may not, or or our ability to confirm this history may not be as um, solid, but it is history nonetheless. And so I would admonish you that as you go through the book, you read it from a historic uh, perspective and understand that these are not fables. They're not fictitious stories, amen? So we believe the word of God to be infallible, to be the only true word of God. There are no lies. There are no exaggerations. There are no mistakes. Although, remember, we talked about allegories and and fables and stories to help illustrate and help our minds to consume information. Okay? And so we, we have learned, we're in 2023, that there are some archaeological and scientific discoveries to back up the Bible to back up the Bible, and we're learning more and more as we progress in humanity. Right, uh, that that these things did exist and they did occur. Amen. So, I want you to keep that in mind as we continue uh, in our study, in our study, and so as we learn about God and what uh, he can do and what he's like, what he expects from us and what he loves and what he hates. As we learn these things, we must, as Christ-driven Christians, we must learn to change and adapt ourselves and our lives according to God's will. The challenge is that we get into these um, fruitless debates about the Old versus the New Testament and as Christians or followers of Christ, what we ought to do, how we ought to uh, emulate Christ through the teachings throughout the Bible. And so we get into these arguments that are Unnecessary about whether or not we are under the law, and if we're not under the law and under grace, if we have the ability to live however we want. But I would propose to you that as we get into the Word and we see the traditions and the practices that were demonstrated in the early days in the ancient times, that we take what is good. If it's good, we emulate it into our lives. Get outside of, above the arguments because they do us, as followers of Christ, no good. So in essence, with all of those words, what I'm saying is (laughs) if it worked for them during their time, and we can apply it to today. Do it. Just do it. Amen? All right. So, as we were ending the book of Genesis, we learned about Jacob's family. And Jacob's family uh, included his 12 sons that we know as the patriarchs. Of the twelve tribes of Judah, and while it the tribes or the um, are represented by the number of sons that Jacob had, we learn that because of uh, the disobedience and because of the obedience of his two sons, there were two that. Uh, are not leading, are not leaders of the tribes, of the tribes. So Reuben, being his oldest son, who betrayed him by having an affair with his wife, uh, he denounced him on his deathbed, and he removed his portion. He removed him from his portion. Now, this is key to understand because While Reuben had been removed uh, from his position as leader over his portion, his family never lost the benefits, so they still remained the benefactors of the blessing. They just did not have their ancestor uh, uh, leading it, leading it, amen? Amen. And so then, on the other hand, his son, who was obedient, received well, obedient, received a double portion. So Joseph received a double portion. So two of his actual sons were placed in a position of leadership. Amen. So that's what we learned coming out of the book of Genesis. So Joseph, we learned a lot about him and how he was that little bratty boy who snitched on his brothers and they tried to kill him and wind up selling him, and he got all this favor. God was with him. And so Genesis brings us to the end as Joseph's life ended. And so when his life had ended, uh, we see that the children of Israel continue to... uh, 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 continue to grow and, and to live as they migrate uh, from Canaan. So during Joseph's time, they migrated from Canaan into uh, um, Egypt in a place called Gonesh, Gonesh, uh where they were, um, for generations, they were surviving, living, and prospering. And so, towards the end of his life, uh, there was a new Pharaoh. There was a new Pharaoh. And as Joseph passed away, so too did his legacy, because this Pharaoh did not know who Joseph was. And so, the favor that the children of Israel received under the leadership of the, or the monarchy of the, Previous Pharaoh had dissipated at this point. It was no longer uh, uh, relevant. Amen. And so as a result, the Pharaoh began to see the maturity of the children of Israel and how they were prospering and how they were increasing. And so he had a fear. He had a fear that they were growing too large, too large in number. And so his fear was either they're going to outman us or they're going to outman us and go with someone else and overcome us. And so he did not want to see uh, that happen. He didn't want to see that happen. So, So again, going back, We learned about the story of Joseph, and he was a boy, he was a slave boy or boy slave, because remember, he was about 17 years old, I believe, and he was, he became the ruler of Egypt, and so if you calculate and count up the years, I don't believe by the time he was the ruler of Egypt, he was more than about 25, you know, if if that, because he was such a young boy. When this had happened to him. And so he brought his family to Egypt where they were allowed to live in uh, the prosperous or the good part of the land. And see, most oftentimes, slaves don't get that. <laughs> slaves don't get that. So, um, but anyway, they stayed for over 400, 400 years and they grew to become a great nation. And it was under the protection of the Egyptian government that they were able to realize this prosperity and they were able to realize this good living. Amen. So God made his promise to Abraham manifest and come through using a nation, even though they did not believe in him. In this time, God allowed them to grow and to prosper by the establishment of a government that did not even believe in God, the Egyptians. So hundreds of years after Joseph had died, the children of Israel had become a great nation. But at this time, they were not... Living in the land that God had promised to give them. They were not living in the promised land. Albeit, they were blessed, they were prosperous, they were rich in Egypt. And they were all of these things, but this was not the land that was promised to them. How many of you feel oftentimes because I know I feel this way. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, I'm prospering. It's all good over here, but I don't feel like I'm residing in the promise. It just don't feel like the promise. The Pharaohs are kind. The people are friendly, but it just don't feel like home. And so they had not yet reached the promised land. And so after many years, like I said earlier, there was a new Pharaoh in town. And so he did not understand the relationship that these slaves, in his mind, these um, people at the lowest end of the caste system, he didn't understand the reason that the Israelites were given that special treatment. And so in many ways, he was very envious of their wealth. He was envious of how they were prospering and how they were accelerating and excelling beyond him. (laughs) How many many of you have experienced where people who ain't had nothing to do with where you are, how you got what you got? But now they are in a space, and a place of authority. And they so envious and jealous of what you got because they can't get it. They want to destroy and sabotage everything you got. But anyway, that was how this uh, nasty old Pharaoh was. And so he was envious of, of their wealth and he was very much threatened by their numbers. number and how they were increasing. And so he decided this is too much for y'all. How y'all get this? I don't approve of this. So he decided to be harsh towards them and work them extremely hard and to enslave them, to enslave them. So remember, the Israelites at this point, they were living the life. They were living the life, but they were still in a home away from home. And they were treated like second-class citizens. They were treated like they were less than the Egyptians, albeit they were given access to a good portion of the land. See why I love this book? Because it reminds me of our plight as African Americans in the United States. And it's eerily similar and familiar to the story of the Israelites and and what they went through during this time. Some of us, even in our enslaved state, because we we ain't slaves like our forefathers and our ancestors were, and in, in the sense that we were drawn here from Africa, put in shackles and beat when we don't do things. But we are, in essence, still slaves. We're still. Enslaved, We are still indentured servants to this uh society and the hierarchical, I don't know why I'd be trying to say words I can't say, <laughs> structure of, of this country. We are still enslaved. And so some of us live in nice neighborhoods and drive fancy cars. But when that Pharaoh decide... I'm about to work y'all. I'm going to work you like the slaves, y'all. And I'm going to really enslave you because you're getting too big for your britches. Starting to smell yourself, I got to put you in your place. And so that's what Pharaoh was doing. That's what he was doing. So he, he put them to work and he worked them hard. And so even though the Egyptians were cruel to them, Israel continued to grow. And if you get in the word the Bible says that the 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 more they endured, the more they began to procreate. How many of you know That's all the evidence I needed to know they black like us. <laughs> Cuz y'all know how we do. We get down and out and we draw to each other. Stop making babies. And that's what they did. They began to draw to each other, getting comfort one from another, despite and in spite of the circumstances. And they continued to grow. And so Pharaoh ordered that the Israelite baby boys be killed. So he told the the, uh, midwives, he said, look, and you go in there and they're having these babies I want you to take all of the boys kill them kill them all and fortunately the midwives determined that they were in fear of God more so than Pharaoh so they decided not to do it and what happened As a result, God blessed them with their own families. This shows us the character of God. Even in the midst of of the influence of the highest ranking leader in the land, you got to dare to do what's right, no matter how many people do what's wrong. But they decided not to do it. And so he got frustrated and angry. And so he put out a decree to just, look, kill him. Kill him. If you even see, if y'all not going to uh, kill off these babies when they're born, I'm just going to put that decree out there. If y'all even see a little boy, kill him. And so if you think about it, this mentality... This ideal came from Satan. He was driven by this evil, demonic desire to kill as a strategy to invoke the plan of Satan to disrupt the promise that God had given us that a savior would come from Abraham's descendants. So the enemy was using Pharaoh to stop God's plan of salvation. <laughs> but we all know how that ends, right? But in that time, it was extremely dangerous. It was, it was, an, it was a dangerous time. It was dangerous for the women It was dangerous for the babies. And so knowing the fate of their children, many of the women operated and functioned in fear. And I can imagine that there were some that said, look, y'all going to do worse to our children than we can do to ourselves. I mean, than we can do to them. So, hey, I'm going to take their life because I will do it in a more humane way. Can you imagine being a mother, having to make that decision? I can't even fathom it. I can't even imagine having to make that decision. This is the same decision that many of our ancestors who suffered uh, slavery in this land had to make. Only thing I can ration in my mind that is somewhat similar is how we raise our young black African-American men. I have three boys, and. And I remember many conversations with my oldest son. I'd always, always admonish him to demonstrate and display certain behaviors because I knew the society that was awaiting him. A few key things I used to always say to him don't you ever, ever, ever put your hands on a woman. Don't ever put your hands on a woman, set aside the moral uh uh perspective. But the reality is that as a black man in America, if a woman called the police on you, that could mean the end of your life. <laughs> and the police <coughs> are gonna be more inclined. To believe the woman's perspective, I say, I say, if you find yourself in that position, run, 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 set your ego aside, your pride aside, and run, and don't look back. I remember having conversations with him in in uh, high school and middle school as he began to grow and and, and develop into Uh, his man size. (laughs) And so I said, look, you are a black man. You are big. His voice started, you know, thickening up and coming in. You cannot be perceived by them the same as any other child. They view you as a man and so you while you know it may be age appropriate for you to throw a tantrum you can't do that it may be age appropriate for you to try to get your point across and and try to prove yourself right you can't do it but in essence as a mother i feel in some ways i was killing parts of his confidence his personality his innate leadership ability as a natural-born leader, suppressing that to protect him. And so when I look at the mothers, I can relate as a mother. Mm, I can't imagine taking Ma's life. But I can relate to the what what would drive that. And so as you remember, there were 12 tribes, but in the tribe of Levi, the Levites, the Levites, you had uh, a couple who had come together and and they had a child and it was a son. And so the Bible says that it shows us that they had other children This one happened to be their firstborn son. And so instead of the mother killing him or allowing him to be killed, she hid him in the house for three months. And she tried to keep him safe, but because of how... The Pharaoh was inspecting the homes and sending out his guards and things like that. She could not keep him safe forever. So she decided that she would let him go. And so she made a floating basket for him and she put him into the river. Can you imagine trying to find refuge for your children, knowing the imminent danger that they're in and how their very lives can be taken. But you got to build that basket and let them go. Not knowing what, you know, could they could face on the other side. And in my mind, I believe she knew more than, than she knew. Because our intuition kicks in, and and you know they 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 knew what was going on in their land, and so when she did that, I like to think that there was some sort of strategy that in that very area where she was, she knew that Pharaoh's daughter frequented that she frequented that area, and that's just my mind. That ain't. Theological, so don't nobody go looking up stuff and come back and say that wasn't true. Alright, I'm just saying that's how I look at it. But anyway, it was the time for Pharaoh's daughter to wash, and that's why I'm saying it seems like she may have known uh the patterns or her routines. Because why pick that uh river? But anyway, so so Pharaoh's daughter came to the river to wash, and she found the basket. And she brought the baby home with her, and she named him Moses. She named him Moses. And it's funny because I started doing a search to understand what was his native name. Because if, if they had him for three months, I'm sure at some point they named him. And I did look it up. I forgot what the name was, but it did have meaning. But anyway, uh, Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. And he became uh, her son, and she prepared him. She prepared him to be the ruler of Egypt. And so what astonishes me about this entire story was, how do you go from bathing no baby to finding a baby, bringing it home? The one thing that your father fears the most and you bring it into his house and prepare it to rule to become the ruler of his kingdom. Now, if that ain't oxymoronic, here this fool... <laughs> See, I had to let it come all the way because that make y'all y'all might think I was trying to say something, but it it is joking. I made this decree: kill every boy and a boy is being brought into his kingdom to take over, being groomed to take over his kingdom. Don't lose sight of that. Because we see this thread throughout or threaded, this theme threaded throughout the Bible. We saw it with Joseph. We just saw it with Joseph. You know, the one thing you're trying to get away from God let it creep right on up in there. And he used the enemy. He used the enemy to give protection and education and to instill the foundational knowledge that um, Moses would need as he helped the children of Israel, the Israelites, to get into the promised land. So he will use our enemies, he will use their system to teach us and train us and give us the foundation that we need, my God, to be great as we get into the promised land. Now we're going to learn, we're going to learn, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, That Moses did not make it into the promised land. He was stuck in the wilderness. His journey ended in the wilderness as with all that came from his generation who doubted God. The great thing about God is that even though they did not make it into the promised land, it was only um, Joshua and Caleb who made it because they believed. We're going to talk about it. But even though they did not make it in, their next generation did. So God allowed those uh, from future generations to go and, and make their own determination and their own decisions. And so we're going to learn more about that as we progress. But what was the point I was making? The point I was making was that God leveraged The education, the resources, and all that Pharaoh's kingdom could offer to groom a leader that he has set aside. And they did all that, put all of that in him. (laughs) For what? Because Moses wind up becoming a leader. For God's people, and they didn't even reap the the benefit of their um, what they what they contributed. All right, so so Moses knew that he was an Israelite. He knew that he was an Israelite, and and what gets me is I I, I imagine in my mind that he he knew one because his mother. Uh, nursed him, and and when we learned that in the scriptures that even though she sent him up the Nile, she sent him up the river, and Pharaoh's daughter retrieved him, but there was a season where she had to nurse him because there was no way to supplement. So, so Pharaohs, I mean um, Moses' sister. She was right there, and she ran up to the daughter, and she said, Do you want me to go get one of those uh, Israel women, one of those uh, uh, indentured slaves, one of those lowly women, to get them to come and and nourish and nurse this child? And, and of course, she said yes. (laughs) I'm giggling because I can imagine me and my girls coming up with a plan before we even executed, and folks don't even know. <laughs> I'm sure she sat there with her daughter, and she said, look, I want you to go, go over there and ask her. If she want, want you to go get one of those slave women to, to nurse this child. And so anyway, uh, Pharaoh's daughter agreed. And so uh, the mother nursed uh, Moses, and I can't... I don't know that the Bible tells of the duration or timeline, but in my mind, it makes me think that it had to be for some significant period of time. And I'm thinking that during that time, the mother instilled in in Moses his true identity. And not only that, because he was free to roam the kingdom and, and interact, I'm sure, that others shared with him his identity because of the comfort level that he had in addressing uh, the uh, injustice that was happening to one of his own, uh, and we learn about that later, later in the scriptures. But anyway, so Moses knew that he was uh, an Israelite, and. And he wanted to free his people from slavery. And so we learned about how Moses murdered the Egyptian that was actually beating on the Israelite. And and um, it just reminds me of how, and I, I think I had this conversation with, one, with my son as well, how Moses was he was a natural born leader. It was innate. It was in him. And so he acted prematurely because it was something in him. Something in him that said I was born to free my people. And so the first act of that while it was something that got him in in great, grave trouble. But it was consistent with who he was. It was consistent. It was premature, but it was consistent with who he was as a leader. And so he could not stand by and not take action. But he went a little overboard. And I'm, I'm assuming maybe he had to because if he would have beat the Egyptian and gave him an opportunity to come back and get him you know he probably would have took his life anyway but anyway he he murdered the Egyptian come back the next day see two fighting together and so he want to interrupt them hey, hey hey y'all stop that stop fighting y'all can't be doing that And so the one said to him, He said, Are you going to tell me what we can't do? What you going to kill me like you killed the other Egyptian? You going to kill me too? And so from that, Moses said, Up, the gig is up, the jig is up. Abby said, It's time for me to go. And he fled. And so he fled from Egypt and hid in the desert and he worked as a shepherd in the desert and the Bible also tells us that uh, he ran into his wife she wasn't his wife yet but he ran into these ladies who were being accosted by others and so true to his nature he protected them, ran them off, and then he fed their sheep or, or watered their sheep or goat, whatever they were. So their father said, I mean, they went to their father and told him what happened. He said, oh, invite them over here. Bring them here so I can meet them. They brought them there, and and the father offered his daughter as a wife. And Moses uh accepted the wife and continued his journey he continued his journey and here's one of the things that was new to me that I learned um uh, as I was going through this study and let me see how many minutes I got let's see if I need to Break off, which I do. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. All right. So I'm gonna stop here. I'm gonna pause, but I'm gonna come back with that thought. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. We can, we can uh, finish. But let me finish that thought I had. Um, I was saying that. I learned when I did, when I was going through this study, something that I learned new, which was Moses actually dwelled with his in-laws as a shepherd for 40 years. So, so look at the pattern, uh, you know, because we know that the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness, uh, for 40 40 years, and Jesus was tempted for 40 days, so there's some correlations there. I want y'all to dig into it. I ask God to give y'all revelation when we come back. Let's talk about it, but but anyway, that 40 years was significant because I can only imagine if, if in my mind, I'm trying to put it in modern times, you know, where... You know, you you are in a system that systemically was created for your demise. But because of the favor that God has on you, he allowed you to have frontline seats at the table and the seat of the the uh, the king and the rulers. Of that time, and you were able to take advantage of everything that they had access to. He gave you full access, no restrictions, to their education, to their wealth, to their uh, way of living. You know, you had full access to that, and taking that into your next life, which was living with. Um, your in-laws and becoming a shepherd. And I can just imagine he leveraged everything that he knew to cultivate and exercise his uh, ability as a leader. We don't just jump out the womb and become the great leaders that God called us to be. We have to exercise the gifts. And in exercising that gift, those gifts, it takes trial and error. Sometimes it becomes your best or your greatest companion. But I can imagine that he had um, more ability because of the rearing that he had, the training that he had, the tools that were uh, exposed and given to him. And so it was those 40 years uh, later. And so later he... After he had murdered the Egyptian, ran off, met his wife, became the shepherd in the desert. The desert will help you learn how to live in the wilderness, okay? (laughs) Anyway, after that, he saw a bush, a burning bush in the wilderness. And so... We we hear a lot about the burning bush, but we don't know the story. So that's why I say get into the Word. But the burning bush was not consumed by the fire. So that is reflective of the presence of God. It is an all-consuming presence. And so being in God's presence in the wilderness, it was demonstrated by the fire that was in the bush, but again, it did not burn the bush, but God used this to get Moses' attention, and so as he got his attention and he came closer and nearer to God, God was able to speak to him, and God let Moses know that he saw the suffering that he and his people had endured, and he heard their prayers. And God said, I heard you. I've seen it. I I know what you're going through. But look, it's time for you to go back. I want you, Moses, to go back. And I want you to lead your nation into the promised land. Because that promise that I made, y'all going to see that come to pass. And so I need to use you as an instrument, as a tool, as an extension of who I am in the earth. To set order, structure, and bring my plan into fruition. And so Moses Moses didn't even want to go. He didn't want to go. He, he figured, he said, look, I'm not qualified. I stutter when I talk. I can't even... Myself together to go before your people. Who am I? I already tried to free them from slavery and failed. You see where I'm at now. Tried to help them, jokers. They turned on me because I wasn't able to free them. And, and here, here comes the revelation now when we get in, when they get into the wilderness, what they do, same thing. He tried to free them and, and what they do, try to come against him. Poor people are tripping. So he's telling God, look, I don't think that I'm the right candidate for this. You got it wrong. And God said, well, wait a minute, go back and you go back. I'm going to be with you. And I'm gonna be with you, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm actually going to set them free. Moses said, nah, you know how them Israelites, black folk, Courtney, Sandra, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you know how them jokers are. They like Minnesota. The ain't that Minnesota the show me state? You got to show me." And um, so, what what do I tell them? Who who do I tell them is sending me? What's your name? And this is the greatest. This is the greatest part of the Bible. I love it. I'm telling you, I love this. Along with uh, when Moses, I mean, not Moses, David called um, Goliath that filthy uncircumcised <laughs> Philistine. But I love this. I love this. God said to him. He said, I want you to tell him, I am that I am. I am that I am. God is the God who is. He exists and there is no other. (laughs) He don't need nothing. He don't stand on nothing. He is that he is. And he is everything that we will ever need. He is everything that has always been, and he is everything that will always be. There is no limit to God, no limit in time. He existed before, and he will exist through eternity. Moses said, what do I tell him? What do I tell him? He said, tell him that I am that I am. And so God knew that Pharaoh would not want to let the the people go and he wouldn't want to let them free. So he told Pharaoh, I mean, he told Moses, he said, I'm going to make him deny you. But nonetheless, in the end, I'm going to set you free. He said I'm going to show you through miracles and wonders. Who is the true and living God? And so it's key that we remember this because there were 10 plagues that were set up on the people and I'm going to I'm going to share with you all something that I learned because in my mind I started thinking about those plagues, and I said it was ten plagues and ten commandments. There's got to be a correlation between the two, and lo and behold, there was. But anyway, I'm going to share that later. But one of the things that I want us to uh, consider is that God allowed Pharaoh to be true to himself. And he hardened his heart so that he would not comply prior to the appointed time. And the primary cause was that God was going to show not only his people, but others that there is only one true and living God. And so he used the plagues that demonstrated the attributes of these most common gods that they were worshiping. He used the plagues to resemble that and shut it down. <laughs> yeah. I am that I am my God, my God. I'm telling you, I get excited. I get excited because just like Moses, sometimes I say, God, are you sure you want me? You want me? I got this thing where I don't stutter when I talk all the time, but I stutter when I think. <laughs> I think I think a lot like my dad. My dad used to be a, a heavy, heavy thinker. But at times he would talk very slow and, and, and process because, and I the reason I understand it is because I do it myself. And sometimes when I'm deep in thought, my words don't catch up. At the time, because I'm still processing. But when you're speaking to people, you got to fill in those gaps. And so sometimes I feel like Moses and that says, I'm like, Lord, I know what I want to say. I know how I want to say it, but it's not piecing together like that. But God said, I'm going to be with you. I want you to go, my daughter, set my fee- people free, set my children free. And I'll be right there with you. But Moses said, I I. I see you saying you're going to do all of this. But still, God, uh, I can't do this. Why don't you send somebody else? Go on and send somebody else that, that can do it better than I can. And so God got mad at him. And he said, all right, I'll send your brother. But I want you to help him. So you you saying that you can't do this. I know you can do it, or else I wouldn't have told you to do it. But since you're saying it, now you're getting on my nerves. (laughs) As if God got a nerve. But he said he was angry. (laughs) He got angry with Moses, and he said, all right, well, you you can send your brother. Take your brother. And so Moses got with his brother. And they went to Egypt together. And so this this leads me to believe, too, you know, some areas of the Bible, we don't, it doesn't touch on everything. Because if it did, it would just be too much information for us to consume. But just knowing as a human how life works, I can imagine Moses knew who his family was. They probably during that, uh, that period of time of those 40 years they probably stayed in contact with each other so he knew who, he, who his brother was he knew who Aaron was and so um, we just don't know that part of the story and, and sometimes because we don't know stuff we just assume it ain't true or it's fictitious or you know but anyway I don't know why I'm going down that path. All right, so God got angry with Moses, uh, but promised to send Aaron, his brother, to to help him. And so Moses met with Aaron, and they went to Egypt, and they met with the Israelites and told them what God had said. And so Israel believed God's word. Can you believe it? They believed it. So we know God. We we. We know that I am that I am. <laughs> He's proving himself to us. And so they believed him. And but they still didn't know the how. They, they believed the what. They just didn't know the how. But the key thing that I want us to remember, and this is the thread throughout the Bible. I did another um, study on how do we see Jesus throughout the Bible. And it was a fascinating story. I mean, even to, you know, the ark representing, you know, salvation and representing Christ. And when God sealed the ark, you know, that was the the seal was the Holy Spirit. God outside was the protection. It was the Godhead. The ceiling was the, the Spirit. And then the, the, the boat was Jesus. And so anyway, um, even in the Garden of Eden, you know, we see representation. But in this illustration of that time, of the Israelites. And remember, this is a historic story. This is a true story. And, but it, it shows us an illustration of God's plan to bring Christ into the world through the nation of Israel. So to bring Jesus into the world through the nation of of Israel. And it shows how God Physically set his people free, but Jesus is coming to set us free from sin. They did not have the capacity, the ability, the tools, the resources to set themselves free. It took a Savior to come to set them free. And just as God freed the Israelites from bondage in Egypt, He also frees us today. And so as we continue in Exodus, we're going to learn more about God's miracles and the miracles that he did to set his people free. And I, I really want us to pay attention because there's a correlation between those miracles done in that day and the miracles that Jesus did in his day when you really get into the word and start studying the word and start seeing all of these things i'm telling you it just makes it so plain god simplified this thing it's 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 uh what's the word i'm looking for it's it's so complex. It's it's terrible. It's it's so I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's just so brilliant and complex at the same time. But he simplifies it so that even a fool can understand and it's amazing to me all that God has done now I'm going to pause right here because I know that this recording is kind of long and I want you all to have an opportunity to go back come back and my advice is take a good 30 minutes here 30 minutes there but get through it and look if my teaching is not what's best for you Get it how you get it. Okay? Because God is doing this with a purpose in this season. Amen. All right, so I'm going to pause right here and then I will come back. So far, I believe I've gotten us uh, through Exodus chapter 5, I believe. Uh, But let's see when I come back to my notes. All right, love you all. Have a blessed day.